Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk chapter 3. You ever gotten in an argument? No. None of you. I know I have the most spiritual church members in the whole entire world. Mike, you ever gotten in an argument? He says no. But he, he shook his head so minimal that I could barely see it from, from up here. So, Boy, when those arguments happen, which they happen for all of us, the fire gets hot inside of you. And it's amazing the way things look when that fire inside of you burns hot. They have their own particular tint, their own particular glare. Things look a certain way when the fire burns hot inside of you. But then, inevitably, the fire begins to wane. It begins to simmer down and cool down. Now, in some cases, those great burning fires turn to a low-simmering, long-standing bitterness. But that's not what I'm after this morning. What I'm trying to give an example of is when the fire goes out, generally, or begins to wane, things begin to calm down and things begin to return to a more realistic perspective of life. And that is what I feel like is what began to happen last week as we looked at Habakkuk chapter 2. As we finished up God's second answer to Habakkuk's second complaint, we began to calm down a little bit. Habakkuk began to calm down a little bit. He began to see the substance of who God was. And the reality that is associated with that. And there are times spiritually when, whether we consider ourselves angry at God or frustrated, we're angry at our circumstances, we're angry at life, or we're hurt and offended by life. And as we've gone to God and complained or whined or saying, God, I don't understand why looked for answers, and as you have been in God's presence, it feels like all of a sudden things are coming into perspective, and you're able to see God and His character and what He is doing, and something begins to happen inside your heart. And that something that begins to happen inside your heart is what happens in Habakkuk chapter 3. Verse 1 says, A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet, according to Shigianoth. O Lord, I have heard the report of you. And your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. 
in the midst of the years make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. In review here, Habakkuk gave his complaint in chapter 1. And then in chapter 1, we have God's first answer to Habakkuk's first complaint. And then we have Habakkuk's second complaint at the end of chapter 1 in the beginning of chapter 2. And then we have God's second answer in the rest of Habakkuk chapter 2. Here now, Habakkuk, as I've said, has calmed down and he's been able to turn to a prayer where words pour out before the Lord. The argument, the flame, whatever, the complaint, the hurt, the burning passion where you can't quite see things the way you need to see them is calming down. And now, through God's presence, he is able to begin to see things and pray back to the Lord. I want to read Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2 in the NIV. I think it helps in the way it translates, helps us understand. It says, Lord, I have heard your I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. These verses represent a new disposition, a new attitude for Habakkuk. He is at a place now where he is recognizing God's fame, his glory. He stands in awe of what God does. He has a sense of amazement and respect and a sense of holy terror of, of his wow. And I hope that there are periods of time in your heart where you have this attitude towards the Lord. It's an overwhelming awesomeness where you're in the presence of a famous person, the most famous person you've ever been in the presence of. Someone who's done great things. And it has this huge effect on your heart. And in this attitude that Habakkuk has towards God, he makes some requests. He's asking God to, those deeds that he's heard about, those great actions of God, do those in my days, do those in our days. Those unbelievable actions, do them, do great things among us, God. You ever found yourself fast out of the Lord? You've heard of some of those great glorious acts of God and you ask him to do them for us among our days. Let me see those, Lord. And he acknowledges that there is a wrath of God. It's 
not popular today to talk about God's wrath and God's anger, but that is a part of our God. And we can look at the gospel of what we have as Christians, followers of Jesus Christ. We don't bear that wrath. Jesus bore it for us on the cross. Habakkuk prays, in your wrath, remember mercy. Have compassion. As you see on not an individual scale, but on a corporate scale, on a national scale, on an international scale, as you see the just wrath of God play out. Recognize that, but you can also plead for mercy on a bigger scale than just your own self. So we're going to dig into Habakkuk's prayer, but before we do so, let's pray. Father, I pray for release in our souls, a calming of the fire in our souls of frustration, hurt, and anger. And as we go into your presence about these things, may it give way to prayer and praise. I pray for the person this morning that is in turmoil, that they would know this prayer phrase in their soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one this morning is the poetic prayer of praise. I'll take you back to verse 1. It says, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shigianoth. What is Shigianoth? We don't know. Our best guess is it's a musical reference. Because this is very similar to other prayers of praise or psalms. I wanted you to uh, be able to focus on this, and I want you to look at some other good examples. Put your fingers on your Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy. And if you have a phone, start tapping and tap to Deuteronomy. Good for us to put our eyeballs on these passages. I'm going to give you some examples. Deuteronomy chapter 32. I'm going to give you some examples of some other prayers. And really, as I was preparing, I didn't necessarily have any order. I just, the, the uh, prayers and praise and psalms and, and all that that came to mind, those are what I put down. Deuteronomy Chapter 31, 32, excuse me. This is the famous song of Moses. And Moses puts down, in this case, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, puts down a song to God. Now, turn to 2 Samuel, chapter 22. 
Second Samuel chapter twenty two. And here we have David's song of deliverance. He had just gone through a time of great distress. And so he, as he experiences that release, that calming and that rejoicing in God's presence, he puts it down as a song of praise. Turn in your New Testaments. To the Gospel of Luke. In chapter 1. Even as I'm looking at these, other examples throughout the scriptures are coming to mind. I think of Hannah and her praise to the Lord when the Lord heard her prayer in 1 Samuel. But we're here in Luke chapter 1, and it starts in verse 46. And it's Mary's song of praise. I wanted you to put your eyeballs on these songs of praise just to get your mind thinking because I want to make application to you. Because I believe that all of us need to articulate personal songs, poetic prayer songs of praise to God. And whenever I use the word poetic with your name, you might freeze up and say, absolutely not, never me. I think you're missing the point if that's your feeling. You may have your own way, your own style. It's not for everybody else. It's for you and the Lord. But every person is made in God's image and has the ability to express a structured prayer of praise. One of the most obvious and common examples for us as people is when two people meet and they become lovers. All of a sudden, there are some words that come outside of you, from within inside of you, and they are expressed, and you never knew you had it in you. Because there is a dynamic that happens in our heart when there is a deep appreciation, a deep care, a deep love that causes us to want to articulate our love to that other person. That transcends personalities, transcends backgrounds and culture. It is a part of being created in God's image. It is a part of relationship. I've mentioned this before, but Katrina and I started dating before really email was used by most people. And really before most people had a cell phone. And we also dated long distance for uh, two years. Now we had a few weeks here and there where we were together. But we have a big shoebox, Rubbermaid sized 
container packed full of letters. And um, I spoke for a uh, a special dinner for some for a youth group a few years ago, and uh, I referenced this these uh, shoebox of letters, and I said, hey, and I have it with me. Would you like to hear one? But our time was running short. I said, well, maybe afterwards. And so um, towards the end of the night, I had a couple of the teenagers run up to me and say, hey, we want to hear one of your love letters. And so I had no idea which one I was pulling out, but I pulled one out, and I read one to them. And yes, it was rather gushy. My friends, as you go before the Lord, especially as you've gone through a time that's intense, it's hard, it's struggling, and the Lord has helped you work through that, and you've beheld God and his character, there will be an overflowing heart of praise before the Lord. And you need to articulate it to him. Write down some prayers of praise to God. Make it your own, your own style. Don't worry about getting it fancy unless unless the mood happens and the fancies happen too, then make it fancy. But express your heart to the Lord. Number one, a poetic prayer of praise. We just looked at the big picture of a prayer of praise. Now let's dig into the aspects of Habakkuk's prayer of praise. Number two, aspects of praise and worship. And as I have read and meditated on Habakkuk's prayer, it reminds me of some of the Psalms. I think one of the Psalms it reminds me of is Psalm 18. Psalm 18 tells quite a story in it as it's expressed. It's very dramatic. And this, uh, um, I've taken an outline from the Bible Knowledge Commentary as an aid to us. They want to reinvent the wheel, but there's several ways to divide up and outline this psalm. You could, or this uh, prayer of praise that Habakkuk has given us. Um, Perhaps you would outline it differently, but perhaps this will help us as we work through it. I'm going to read again, in this case, through the NIV as we work through this. Number one for this prayer of praise is God's arrival. We're going to look at verse 3. God came from Timan, the Holy One from Mount Haran. And the Bible Knowledge Commentary has a second way next. God's appearance, starting at the second half of verse 3. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand. What an image of rays of sunlight flashing from God's hand. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He looked and made the nations tremble. 
the ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. But he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Kushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Those are nations that are mentioned. Don't mean anything to us. We could substitute some modern nations and their names in there. Next, the Bible Knowledge Commentary breaks it down with number three, God's actions. And a sub-point under that is in nature, God's actions in nature. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lighting of your flashing spear. Next is a subset of God's actions among the nations. God's actions among the nations. In wrath you strode through the earth. In anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us. Gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. It is good for our souls to reflect on God, who he is, his glorious fame, what he does, what he does in our lives, what he does internationally. And as we express our prayer to God, we should express who he is, who we see him in his character, who we see him in his splendor and his glory. Have you ever tried to put to words the aspects of God's beauty and his fame and his glory? Yes, that is for you to do, my beloved friends. You are to put to words, your own words, the majesty, the beauty, the aspects, the features of God's famous glory and power. The features of his beauty. You are also to put into words as you pray to the Lord what he does in the awesomeness of how he works, not only in your life, but in our country, in our world. And in that, the justice that he performs, how he pulls nations down and raises other nations up, and how ultimately he will give victory for his people. 
Have you ever put that into prayer to the Lord? I challenge you to do so. Number one, poetic prayer of praise. It was the big picture. And then we dug into the specifics of Habakkuk's prayer of praise. Number two, aspects of praise and worship. God's arrival, God's appearance, God's actions. And this builds to a climax. And technically what we're going to look at next is a part of Habakkuk's prayer, but I want to look at it separately. It's a climax. It's a conclusion to the book. It puts a conclusion upon Habakkuk's struggle and our struggle with God and what's happening in this world and brings a resolution to something that is very messy. So number three, in the best of times and in the worst of times. What is it, Dickens, who has something like that? It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Well, pardon me as I borrow from that a little bit. So as we look at this, I want to look at verse 16. This this thought is not to be neglected. Verse 16 says, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. As Habakkuk is pondering what God is going to do, he's also pondering invaders. Habakkuk God has told him, hey, the invaders are coming. And he is, he is experiencing here a physical reaction to both God and to some very bad news. I remember in high school, especially early on, I... I I went to Christian school, kindergarten through fifth grade. I was homeschooled um, in a different state, sixth and seventh grade. And then I skipped eighth grade and went into a public high school. Never met these people, um, and they'd never met me. And I definitely had some very bad experiences, and I was bullied and mistreated. And I remember... There was a couple classes where I was scared to death to go to class. I had a very physical reaction to the reality that I faced. And as we face things in life, both in God's presence and the ugly ugly realities of life, we have a very physical reaction. We have both a response in body and in spirit. A sad reality of those who have gone through 
various sorts of trauma is because it's so overwhelming to them physically, they began to disconnect to their bodily sensations. And a part of healing is to help them reconnect to themselves, yes, spiritually, but also physically. And as we face the realities of this life, whether in God's presence or we're struggling with an ugly physical reality within us, we need to pay attention to what is going on, yes, in our soul, but also what's going on in our body. Life in God's presence and life in the struggles of this world is a spiritual but also a physical experience. I just want to draw your attention to that because that is precisely what Habakkuk is doing here. He's drawing our attention to the physical reality of going through these things as he prays to the Lord. So as Habakkuk is articulating to the Lord, he's articulating what he's experiencing physically as well. So we look at the worst of times. Let's look at verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no fruit or no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Now, perhaps Mike can appreciate this, or Adam. Many of us, we don't feel the direct connection between produce or farm animal in our own lives. The only time we feel the connection is when the grocery shelves are bare. And even then that's happened so rare for us that it's, it's not even something that we can hardly conceive of. But perhaps, and this happens more in the south, it occasionally happens here, when a storm comes the grocery shelves become empty. Well, when a siege, when an army lays siege to your town or your, to your country, all of a sudden the supplies run out. They are gone. You imagine six months with grocery shelves empty. Where early on in COVID, there were begin to be a shortage of meat in some places because of the factories, especially, I think, of pork. There begin to be a shortage because there was a supply problem because of pestilence, disease. This is what we're looking at here. Habakkuk is referring to a shortage of necessities for survival. When the 
the fields are producing, when the grocery shelves are full, when the pocketbooks have plenty of money in it. You know, those are the best of times. And then Habakkuk here is referring to the worst of times. And the, the pocketbook is empty. The grocery shelves are empty. That's what he's talking about here. So verse 17 again, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Verse 18, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy and the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread upon my high places. To the choir master with stringed instruments. Does anybody remember what Job did at the end of Job chapter 1 after all of this misfortune happened to him? Job chapter 1, verse 20. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. None of us have had happened what Job had happened. And yet Job, yes, the book as it goes through, Job and his friends wrestle with the suffering that he was experiencing. But Job's reaction was one of worship. This is how deep Habakkuk had resolved. We've looked at the deep struggles that Habakkuk has had. And we've processed it together as he processed it. The fire has eased. The perspective has changed. And he is now able to see God for who he is, even in the midst of an impending invasion where he is getting ready to face the worst of times. And even before those worst of times come, he is able to pray this to the Lord. I'm going to share something with you that's personal. Early on in our marriage, I talked with my wife about this early on in our marriage. My mind can 
run scenarios, and I wondered if I would just shrivel up and die if the Lord took her from me prematurely. She's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. I'm very thankful for her. If the Lord took her from me, I used to ponder on this, would I shrivel up and die? Would I just be totally crushed and, not, and just cease to exist? As I'm growing in my faith in the Lord, it's not that I ever want this to happen, but I'm beginning to be able to say in my heart, if God took my wife in what we would consider early, I would be okay. I can't, I can't always say that, but I'm arriving at that. This is the depth of what Habakkuk is dealing with here. The best taken away from you. Job had lost children. He had lost all his abundance. He had nothing. And then his own body was smitten. This is how deep and serious and real this is. That we are rooted in God in the best of times and in the worst of times. And keep in mind, as Habakkuk articulates this prayer to God, this invasion had not happened yet. He is able to articulate this to God before the bad things that were going to happen, happened. So as we struggle with the hardest things of life or the potential of the hardest things or the likelihood of the hardest things of life, the worst things of life, if we follow the process that Habakkuk went through, we will be at a point of a prayer of praise to God. we talk to some of the older saints and hear of their scars and yet see the beauty of God upon their face. It's a privilege. I had to spend some time with Norm McGowan before he went to heaven. I believe he was one of those saints. His final days, there was a beauty on his face. There was a joy as he knew God's presence. I have talked to some other saints who don't have that beauty. And there's a sour bitterness upon them. We all are going to have scars in this life. But if we can follow the lessons that Habakkuk shares with us, 
no matter what the scar, we can have the beauty of a prayer of praise shine forth in our face as an act of worship before the Lord. Take a few minutes and reflect on these things.